Welcome to the Sound Design Show. This is the show where we cover all aspects of sound design. If you guys are interested in sound design in the least, you should enjoy this show. I'm Steve Cherubino from EDMer.com. I'm just one of your hosts. Also joining us, as always, the man who brings the goods, Seamless. What's going on, Seamless? How you doing? I'm doing awesome. Neat. So today, what I want to talk about is additive synthesis. Awesome. I like this because I know very little about it, but I always wanted to know more about it. Awesome deal. So when people talk about the kinds of synthesis there are, generally they're familiar with the idea of subtractive synthesis and maybe a little bit about FM synthesis. They at least know it exists. And subtractive synthesis as a concept is pretty pretty basic. It's the idea that you start off with a complex tone and then you take away from it with varying techniques, filters, and phase cancellation, all that stuff. And so then when you hear the term additive synthesis, your thought is that, okay, is it somehow the opposite of subtractive synthesis? And at the core of it, that's basically the case, where instead of starting complex and taking away from it, we're starting simple and then building complexity. Um, I'm defining a complex tone, by the way, as something that has essentially more... Uh, more than one frequency kind of at the same time. Okay. A simple tone, like a, a simple sine wave is just all frequency. There's nothing, nothing going on there. So that's like as pure a tone as you can get. So a complex tone is something like a saw wave, which has the entirety of the harmonic series involved. Now, when we talk about additive synthesis, the harmonic series ex- is extraordinarily important. And it comes from the idea of what I just said about the idea that a, a individual tone, individual frequency is just a sine wave and vice versa. Can you, before you go on, can you just explain again what the harmonic series is or somebody, unless somebody missed an earlier show? Right. So the harmonic series is a harmonic, like the term harmonic harmonics are tones that are multiples of the fundamental tone. The fundamental tone being like the, just the note, the base, the lowest note that you're playing in the whole series. So when, when you play like E zero or rather a 440 and you're, and you're just playing, a sine wave at 440 hertz, the first harmonic would be double that. And then the next harmonic would be uh, half again that. So one, one and a third. And then the next one is next octave, so on and so forth. And the easiest way to kind of visualize this is to think of them in terms of octaves, where in each each octave's worth of harmonics, there is uh, the next octave has twice as many harmonics in it as the previous octave. Gotcha. Um, so a saw wave is that that harmonic series is then it just goes up really really high frequency it all adds up together to create the shape of a saw wave and in fact like the actually creating the shape of a saw wave has to do with the phase alignment as well as a harmonic uh presence itself because you can have the harmonic content of a saw but not have the shape of the saw and we mentioned in other other videos about that other other podcasts not necessarily videos something i talk about a lot but um the really cool thing about additive synthesis is that this idea of the harmonic series and the, the whole multiple to fundamental thing is actually a mathematic concept that's existed long before any of this audio synthesis existed. I say audio synthesis because synthesis as a thing is not necessarily limited to audio. And any any of you who have taken like college level math will have run into, you know, doing things like Fourier transforms, which is essentially where you're creating oscillations and then harmonics of the oscillations, which matters a lot in the, for a lot of physical properties. And this is an idea has existed super duper long time. Um, which is why 
added it to this as, as like a technique for creating sound is so amazing because it's something that we couldn't really have taken advantage of until very recently with uh, the advent of more recent digital uh, synthesis processing. Because the analog stuff is all FM and subtractive. We can we can th- we can do additive things, you know, with the, our understanding of the math and all that. But we couldn't really do stuff like, for example, what ImageLens Harmer can do with like just total control over all the all harmonic content until we really had like the processing power able to like, process present to do that kind of stuff. Okay. So this comes back to the idea of what I said before about how frequencies are all individual sine waves, and if you just take a regular sine wave, like a recording of a sine wave one that's not artificially created through additive synthesis, and you like isolate with like a really thin bandpass any one of those individual frequencies, you would get a sine wave. So the thought is, okay, well, if I know the harmonic series, and I know that they're all sine waves, theoretically, if I play sine waves at every one of those positions of frequencies, it should build a sine wave. And that's precisly what additive synthesis does. So in this, in this example, I have a sine wave. And if I start at the beginning we have a sine wave and we add the ne- the first harmonic and then the next harmonic so on and so forth and just do that all the way up and you get yourself a salt wave wow so it's a bunch of tiny sine waves put together kind of Additive, additive synthesis is all about building your complex tone out of individual simple tones, the sine waves. So a thing like Harmer, which took me a really long time to understand, because like I, I, I did sort of Harmer resampling was like the thing that sort of started my sort of YouTube-ish thing, because that was all kinds of new and ridiculous. But I didn't really get the synthesis aspect of it. And the way that Harmer works is that you, you get yourself, like when you play a tone, it outputs a, whole, a number of harmonics and out, out there and whatever. And then everything that Harmer does is all about uh, sort of mimicking subtractive uh, processes, but in an additive way. And then also doing things that no subtractive process could ever do because you're doing it in an additive way. So a, a really basic example would be like the filters that I built in. So like we have a really basic low-pass filter and does what it's doing. But it isn't really doing it as, as a way that an actual like audio filter really is doing it. It's not. It's not. And because the, the way a normal normal audio filter is doing it is that it's it's essentially canceling a range of sound and attenuating it's reversing phase to create phase cancellation in a minimum phase EQ, which did we talk about that? I feel like we did. We'll talk about that at some point, I'm sure. But the point being is that it uh, it's, it's doing its particular process to, to attenuate frequencies to create the filter. But what Harmer is doing is that it's just telling harmonics that are in the way of the cutoff to just not play anymore. Interesting. It's, so, just, it's just preventing them from creating sound at that position to create what would be the result of the filter. So even though it sounds like just a normal filter on like a subtractive synth, it's just doing it in a totally different way. Yep. Interesting. And I cognited that Harmer must stand for harmonics. Yes, that is that is the uh, the naming convention there. Thank you very much. Harmer um, is actually not the first additive, additive synthesizer that they made. Um, neither is the one I'm going to mention, but I was talking about they, the first thing before Harmer, they made Harmless, which right. 
uh, is a plugin that has way less control over what's happening. It's mostly there as kind of like a proof of concept for the additive engine. And then there's Haramore, which gives you all the control. Oh, damn. How clever. Yeah. So that's their, that's their little joke there about that. I get it. Although even older than that, there was another, another plugin called Morphine, which did that. And others may also be familiar with an even older plugin called uh, Alchemy from Camel Audio. Yes, and, and Apple bought Camel, didn't they? They did do that. That's the thing that happened. So if you've ever used uh, Morphine or Camel or uh, Alchemy, you may, you may remember how just ridiculously hard it was to get to do anything. And the plugin didn't make a lot of sense. It did make some pretty ridiculous sounds, but didn't feel like you had a lot of control over it. Right. And that's one of the reasons why I like Harmer so much, because it was presented in a way that was designed to get normal results, like just normal subtractive results. And then you can kind of take it to places with the kind of controls over the harmonics that you have. Okay. And it presents this control in a number of different ways. So the filters, for example, like you can do your basic filters. Um, or you could also create your own filter shapes by just telling it, you know, what shapes do you, uh, you make. It has an interface with the line, the typical FL line editor interface. And then you just uh, create a shape, a shape in there. And it applies that shape to, to the sound. And it's able to do that because you're essentially just creating a map that tells it when it's passing through to turn it down this much or turn it up this much. And it turns off the individual harmonics. You can think of the harmonic togetherness as kind of like an orchestra where each individual sine wave is its own thing, receiving its own particular instructions at a particular time. And if we were to look at any one individual sine wave, it really wouldn't make a lot of sense until we have all other sine waves playing together, all their individual parts, and then it creates, you know, the one thing. I see. That's sort of what additive synthesis is all about. Wow. Very interesting. I had no clue. Now, can it do any, can it, can you have additive synthesis with other waves besides sine waves? Sometimes, um, actually, weirdly, Citrus can do can do some of that. Uh, Citrus has the uh, in the in the main interface. There's uh, on the operators. You have your various you know, your parameters, whatever. And then you have the oscillator tab, and the oscillator tab is like a little mini additive engine where you're able to engage individual harmonics, that whole thing. But unlike Harmer, it's harmonics. It engages whatever waveform you've got going on. You can make a sine wave or you can make like a triangle. Okay. And you can then have harmonics, but it's instead of triggering sine waves at those frequencies, it's triggering triangles at those frequencies. Which, like, wh- after I started using Harmer a lot, I started to think of a lot of stuff in terms of their harmonic content, less so much in their shape. And a, a, lot, of, a lot of things start to make a lot more sense And when, when you start to do that kind of thing. And the triangle... Like in in a pure harmonic sense, given given take a little bit of phase ch- strangeness to actually create the shape of the triangle, is basically a low pass square, in terms of the, what harmonics are there. Hmm. There's only like one, like four or five of them that are present, and they're in the square wave series, which is just the saw wave series, but it's every other harmonic instead of every harmonic. So there's basically, if you boil it down, almost two kinds of waves. You got sine waves and square waves that everything else is built off of. Yeah, okay. saws and squares, pretty much. And um, I, I, I thought I'd mentioned this before, but I guess I did not. But one of the things that I, like, whenever I'm reverse engineering a sound, um, the first thing I look for is whether or not it's got the saw series or the square series. And it will pretty much universally have either of those. 
And you can have different, there are different series and there are different things you can do with that, but just predominantly what we're doing, when we're making sounds that we're used to hearing, it's going to have those particular particular series. Even our voices kind of adhere to this particular idea. Wow. Um, it's actually really hard to not do that. And then when you do do that, you have another particular problem, which is phase cancellation. One of the benefits of the harmonics is that because they're multiple, they don't, they don't really phase cancel in the way that a tone that's only a little bit out of tune. Because like when you play like um, a chord, like if I were to make a sideway for a second, so you play a side wave, you play on a side wave, and you get phase cancellation, like that whole, that whole thing. You in the, the higher, like the, the different, the larger the difference in pitch between the two tones, the faster it'll, it'll do that. Now there are a few positions where it feels like it's not actually phase canceling anymore. Like if I play a fifth, right. it feels rather stable, but it actually is still phase canceling, just really, really fast. Huh. Until the point you get to where you're playing an octave. And there, it's actually not phase canceling. <laughs> and it's a little bit interesting because if you look at sort of like the shapes and the sizes of things, you can see that there's actually some zero crossings that are interacting with some uh, some peaks and some positives and that kind of thing. And this is what I meant when I said earlier that the shape of a saw wave is determined by this minor phase cancellation. The, 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 the sharp point of a saw is all of these sideways that are beginning at perfect, the same perfect phase, all these wild range of, of pitches from like low level to all the way up to, you know, much higher harmonics. And these higher harmonics oscillate a lot faster, which means that they're going to interact in some positive or negative way against the original waveform. But because they all start together at once at the same time, it creates this one big sharp hit. And then the phase cancellation Instead of giving us the curve of the sine wave, it gives us the straight line down of a saw. So it's the cancellation that creates the shape of that waveform. I see. And uh, also, that is a good point to bring up that, um, like any other kind of synthesis, every kind of synthesis will involve subtractive one way or the other. And in this particular case, this uh, the primary aspect of subtractive synthesis that shows up in added synthesis beyond just using things like filters and whatever is the aspect of phase cancellation because the second you get anything out of like perfect harmonic like perfect harmonic pitches it'll start the phase cancel that's what i was talking about any any non-regular unregular um harmonic series that's not like perfectly the regular harmonic series will just cause phase cancellation and the and then if you look at like an analysis of that particular activity you'll see that like the tones that tend to survive it that that do show up will just be the series I see. I see. Huh. That's pretty cool. Yeah. Very interesting concept so far. My question is, why would you, what's the benefit of using additive synthesis? Uh, what does it do special or cool that you can't do with other synths? Well, the primary benefit of additive synthesis is just the unprecedented level of control you have from the ground up of everything that's happening. Because it's not only are you controlling like precise shapes of all whatever filters are you doing, but like you really just have like a per harmonic level of control over the tone. So you're basically responsible for everything from the get go. I see. So rather and, than just taking stuff away, like in subtractive, you could yeah. just you could go both ways with this. Right. So it's like to get 
to get a particular complex tone using subtractive synthesis, you do have to take away from it and do you know pretty clever things to it to sort of elicit a response. But in additive, you can just build it. You can just build that exact thing you want to be. You can just go there. I see. Provided, of course, you know what that is, but it's that's something that you can do. And I do want to point out that Harmer is not really the only option. There's also another plugin called uh, Razor by Native Instruments. It's a reactor plugin. And uh, it's like what I, I refer to as Harmer Light. And I don't necessarily say that to kind of make fun of it because the Har- Harmer, Harmer's whole point is that it gives you that control. It gives you just an amazing amount of control of what you're doing. And so to do the best work with it, you really need to know what you're doing with it. And that's not super common. So it isn't really that easy to work with if you're not really familiar with it. Well, Razor, however, doesn't, it doesn't give you a lot of control, but it does, it, it, it puts you sort of in the right direction to things that will sound kind of okay. I see. With, with pretty reasonable ease. And it does give you a lot of control over stuff that you absolutely could not do without additive synthesis. It's just not as, like, pretty much everything that it can do, Harmer can do. And then there's just a lot Harmer can do that it can't. I see. So it's a good, like, starter additive synth. Yeah, like if you're not if you're not like the engineering type, then I would recommend Razor. Gotcha. But then if you just crave control over everything like I do, then you want Harmer. Gotcha. Now, what kind of st- what kind of sounds like when you open Harmer, like and you have complete control? I don't know, man. What goes through your mind about what to do with this thing? Like, how would you start crafting a sound with it? Well, the first thing that like the really killed me about Harmer when I, when I when I finally understood it as a process was how it handles unison. So, take the super saw for example, just the concert, just regular kind of super saw. Mm-hmm. Harmer, remember, is not putting out like one voice like you would think like a regular synth is. It's putting out however many hundreds of harmonics that it does, and it's the, the maximum amount that it can ever put out at one any one time is five hundred sixteen. You're playing a low enough note with enough harmonics, and it'll play five hundred sixteen harmonic partials. Yes. Uh, so when you do unison. Like if I say nine voices in unison, that's nine times the 516 partials that it's putting out, which is 4,464. I don't know. A lot of, a lot of freaking harmonics. Yeah. I could do that in my sleep. (laughs) And, um, so unison for this to really work, we have to sort of get how, how unison, how pitching works. This is actually super, like I mentioned earlier, that's easier to consider harmonics in the, in the concept of octaves. Right. Harmer has a lot of switches all over it that say octave and hertz. <clears throat> and that's because it'll switch either the visual representation or the pitch representation or like the how the filter like weights itself, and that kind of thing. And the difference between the hertz and octave view is that the octave view gives you even distribution of octaves. And then the hertz view gives you an even distribution of, of frequencies which is very different. Because if you look at like the standard e- equalizer uh, configuration, for example, you'll notice that the, the range of area that is dedicated to lower frequencies, like say between 50 and 100 hertz, the 50 hertz range is a particular size. And then you go to the higher range and that same size is now suddenly 5,000 hertz. Right. And it's because the higher frequencies are much denser when it comes to notational value. Um, octaves at all, all are all record, you know the same size, you know, in terms of just multiples of what's happening. Right. But the hertz value, the ranges of hertz values become much, much, much higher at the higher frequencies. Right. So, <clears throat> unison wise, if I'm going to change, if I'm going to change one semitone for for 
one of these voices. This means that the lowest harmonic is going to move, you know, one or two hertz to fit if it's a bass tone. But then the higher harmonics have to move a lot more to to match still being that note, still being the multiples of the fundamental. Right. And this is important to consider because when we're doing when we're doing um, the nine voices in unison, all these voices are all moving these harmonics in that particular rigid way. However, there is another mode inside the all the unison the unison selection that's called Hertz where it just doesn't do that, where it'll move all the voices um, even distributed to hertz instead of just notes, and you get a a wildly different kind of unison profile that you're not... That you're not really used to. Awesome. So you get get a spread, and you get a a kind of like high-frequency phase cancellation that is so different from every other kind of unison that you'd ever encounter. Yeah, yeah. That's awesome. It is very awesome. And not only that, not only that, but most parameters in Harmer will have a per harmonic level of control. And Unison happens to be one of them. If you go to the drop down menu, there's just a lot of stuff in there. But one of them is a, a window that's called the Harmonic Unison Pitch Window. <laughs> and this window allows us to change the pitch depth at, at a per harmonic level, per harmonic basis. So pitch depth in this case, difference between having a really low kind of like unison amount or really high unison amount. I could say have no unison on the low levels, but then a lot of unison on the high levels on the high frequencies. Or I could do the exact opposite and have no no unison on, on the highs and a lot of unison on the lows. Oh, wow. Which sounds suspiciously like that hurts uh, or organized one. Right. And we could do much more strange things than that. We can we can have a, a regularly distributed uh, unison profile. And for bass sound design, this is like this is like the Reese Holy Grail. Pardon me. This is like the Reese Holy Grail. And the reason I say that is because think about your your standard Reese bass, which is created by uh, detuning two saw waves against each other. If I just sort of do your your basic. Like that kind of Reese bass. Got it. Old school drum and bass sound design that was so tricky and so full of like ridiculous engineering. <laughs> um, the, the standard way to accomplish that was through band splitting, where you would split your sound into the number, number of bands and then you would apply effects differently to each of those bands. Okay. So you would have like a chorus effect on all three of them, but you had different chorus parameters. I see. And then that caused a difference in. Uh, the, the pitch pitching kind of profile because that's what chorus does, and then you put all that together under distortion, and it creates it, it. It combines in a way that's very very unique. And the way that Harmer does that does the harmonic use of pitch control essentially solves for n for that because we're able to have that different kind of pitch control, but for every harmonic. So it's like having a 516 band split that also note follows. And wow. like the, what I'm doing right now is all just from manipulating the harmonic units of pitch distribution per harmonic. I see. I see. So it seems to me when you have such tight control, like over Hertz rather than just octaves, it's easy to probably to get out of tune in what, in a, like in a song you're trying to like, in other words, it seems to me like if you start messing with Hertz, you're messing with a lot more of tuning and you could have two more tuning issues in your song. If you go that route, does that make sense? Yeah, you totally, you really kind of do, but 
by the same token, you also have a much enough control to kind of correct for that. I got you. I got you. Because you can just go in there. Okay. Okay. Whatever effects happening, they like, don't happen on the sub. Don't happen on like this range. I so see. that like you have the right note for the ranges that matter, and then the rest of them can just kind of be there to affect to affect it properly, but not uh, cause too much detuning. And regardless of that, it makes very cool sounds. It makes extremely cool sounds. It makes an unbelievably unique and rather impossible sounds. Yeah. Yeah. Wow, man, that's amazing. I had no idea. I love it. Now, I'm almost like, afraid to start tackling harmonic synthesis because it's a lot to absorb. I mean, I'm sorry, to, to attack additive synthesis because it's a lot to absorb, but it'll take you to the next level, I guess, as far as sound design goes. It definitely, like, I definitely think that har- that harmonic synthesis, I will say it too, additive synthesis is like the future of sound design, if only because it's the newest kind. Like... Like I said, uh, it's existed as a concept for a very long time, like long before anything that we've ever known to be synthesis has. But subtractive synthesis was like the first kind of like sort of commercially available synthesis. And FM came pretty much with that. And we even wavetable synthesis was something that like got picked up pretty quickly once digital kind of took over. But even when digital was a thing, digital had to get to the point where we could have something like Harmer, where it can spit out thousands of harmonics and not care. And even like and the, the amount of processing that, that, that would do this would have just destroyed anything from the nineties. So it's, it's really bleeding edge, like cutting edge stuff for this to be a thing. And so like what people will eventually end up doing with this will, will be the sound essentially of the future. Wow. Um, CPU usage because additive synthesis does all these things. Does it crush CPU? It, it actually really doesn't, and you would, you'd be surprised by that because you're thinking, oh my god, it's doing so much, why not? And it actually has to do with the, actually, the relative simplicity of what Harmer is doing. Um, everything, all the things that Harmer does, all the billions of things that it does, are really only doing three things. It's controlling the pitch, the phase, and the volume of all the individual harmonics. And these are all really easy things to do. For a computer. For a computer. It's all pretty straightforward stuff. It's not moving parameters hilariously fast like FM does. It's not um, worrying about... Actually, you don't have to worry about aliasing because it uh, like harmonics just are not generated high enough to do that. You don't have to worry about like, the whole minimum phase, linear phase stuff because it's not actually an audio filter. So all of these things that are normally a huge concern for synthesis just don't exist because we're, 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 we're doing it at the source. And we're we're controlling the most the most like molecularly basic things of synthesis. I see. Wow, that's very interesting. Now I, I take it Harmer is your favorite. And what other additive synthesis are out there besides Razor synthesizer? Well, I mean, okay. So I mentioned that Citrus has some has some basic additive capacity, like it has that oscillator tab in there, and actually a little bit of uh, Serum op- operates with some additive edge to it as well. It's not like not even close to what Harmer could do, but it, the way that it applies additive synthesis is actually very, very novel. Um, it has the same kind of like uh, individual oscillator control that Citrus does. You can just kind of put in harmonics to create uh, waveforms that way. You can also resynthesize waveforms, and you can also edit waveforms that you put in there to, and make, to make frames or whatever. Not only that, but there's also um, uh, a morph mode between uh, the 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 frames that. It uses additive synthesis. It's called because uh, you have the regular crossfade mode, and then you have the spectral mode. And what the spectral mode does is that it takes every frame of whatever sound you're using that you're making into a wavetable and puts it into the additive version of those of those um, of those waveforms with 
level and phase of individual harmonics, and then it cross-fades all of the individual harmonics as opposed to just the entire waveform. I see. And that creates a... a, a, a sometimes it creates a much smoother um, morphing profile uh, than just regular cross-fading would. But Harmer's your go-to, basically. Oh, yeah. Harmer is like... And for the most part, Harmer is, is just vastly superior to whatever's out there. And that doesn't necessarily mean that it's really going to be the best for everybody. Like I said right. before, Razor is f- perfectly fine if you want to use Addisynthesis and not really get too crazy with it. And Harmer is where you go when you want to have ultimate control over everything. I don't think we... I mean, if it wasn't for you, I don't think people would realize how cutting-edge Harmer is. Yeah, and I really... I mean, people look at Harmer and it's just got this extremely dense UI and it has a drop down menu full of a billion things. And not only that, but like the process itself is so just new and alien that like you you don't have anything to go by. Right. Which is why it was smart that they presented Harmer as being what they refer to as an additive subtractive synthesizer, where it's sort of wrapping up subtractive processes with an additive edge, which allows it to be a little bit more well received. But that's still, it's still like, far enough in a way because I, I it was like it was already like a year and a half old by the time i got to right, it right and it wasn't it wasn't you know making waves then wow because the the other the other killer thing that harmer does is the resampling which is what i got to at first and it's not really resampling it's it's uh resynthesis and the difference is is that resampling is you know you record the audio and you record it into new audio and it's re-recording audio but when you're resynthesizing you're taking something that's audio <laughs> like this <laughs> And you're playing when I play in Harmer without the distortion in unison. It sounded good with the distortion in unison. Go ahead. <laughs> when I play it, you could be forgiven for thinking that it's a sample because it sounds like it's the same sample, but it's it's not. It's, it's, it's the harmonics are now playing in concert, like we mentioned before with the whole orchestra analogy, to create this voice sound. <laughs> So you took that from an original, from an audio sample? Mm-hmm. Wow. So you, you basically, I, I don't want to say it's like turning audio into MIDI. It's like turning audio into its most basic components so you could screw with them. Yeah, because it's like the idea that like if you knew, if you knew where, because uh, if you knew where all of the frequencies of a sound were going at any given time, then you could plan like a route for individual sine waves to fit those frequencies <laughs> and it would sound identical Jeez. if you did that. Because that's, so that's, cool. that's how we analyze it. And that's pretty much what Harmer is doing. Is Harmer available? Is It's just, it could be bought as a VST and used in any DAW, right? Yes, correct. Okay. It could be used in any DAW um, for PC. They, there is a Mac Alpha for uh, Mac VST gotcha. that it's available for, that's available for free because it's honestly like kind of broken. But <laughs> They're working on their Mac compatibility for all their stuff. So Who that, that's cares cool. about Mac? Let those Apple people just sit and suffer for a while. <laughs> ImageLine <laughs> had a very long policy of not giving a shit about Mac, but um, that was mostly because of the code base they were writing uh, FL on wasn't compatible with Mac for the longest time, and right. now they're kind of getting their crap together about that. But um, yeah, Harmer is available as a VST. You can, you can get your hands on that, and you can do what you want and wherever you want. Wow, man. Very cool. I'm going to start playing with it, man. It's amazing. Dude, I want to play with it right now. <laughs> <laughs> the um, the, the resynthesis thing is actually kind of cool because uh, some of the best like time-stretching algorithms in the world utilize additive synthesis as a post-process. 
they're harmer's doing this live like it's doing it immediately but like some of the like really good time stretching algorithms will 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 do this sort of thing well they'll resynthesize it um as like an algorithmic process so it's like really really well and then so it, like it's ensuring that um all that kind of all that sort of all that stuff that you lose with typical time stretching right stays there and it's able to kind of sound like just the original sample only slower or faster, you know, depending on what you want. Damn, that is a problem I've been trying to solve. Seriously. Getting yeah. that, getting that to not to lose anything from that audio sample. And like of course when you throw it into just a regular sampler, you you lose stuff like crazy, even when you go a couple notes away. Yeah, like like if I were to put like a drum loop or something into let me go grab something more interesting. Okay. Like the Amen loop. So I just drop that in armor, which I can do with the right time. Just sounds. Wow. It's like a time manipulation tool. Like Harmer's because it's doing it live. It's not the you know the, the the world's greatest, most highest quality version of this. But there are a lot of like post processing algorithms out there that are just this. I see. <laughs> That's so cool. It's amazing. I had no clue. It's really, it's really good stuff. Harmer and additive, additive, additive synthesis. Good God, additive synthesis. Those are like the worst words to say together. Um, are going to be the the future of sound design. Like a lot of, you can do a lot, and you can do kind of, you can integrate a lot of the understanding that you get from sort of working with the stuff with with the other kinds of synthesis, and they all work together to do very nice things. Right. But as far as like stuff that can be done by other things, Harmer is the one that has the least of that. Wow. Really cool, man. I love it. Was there anything else about additive we wanted to talk about? Or was that, did you pretty much sum it up? That's basically it. Like it, it really, it's a lot simpler than it sounds. And it's a lot, it's not as process intensive as, as you might think it is. Although, like I said, it took until, you know, somewhat recent, like uh, 2011. Actually, I can, it probably says it in here. Where's the about page? Right. Well, fairly, it's been around for a, a little bit, but um, I feel like a lot, of, a lot of, a lot of newer, newer plugins are going to take advantage of this kind of stuff. Like, like Serum heavily uses it as like a main component of its of its usage, even though it's it's sort of its deal is to be a, a wavetable based subtractive synth, much like Massive was. Right. Right. Now I could just imagine everybody's going to come out with like Adido and all these crazy names, but it's definitely going to be an additive synth. It's just, <laughs> I think Re- I'm pretty sure reason, uh, came out with one. I saw an ad for one once upon a time. It was a while ago. Is it and actually from propeller sure heads or just a rack extension? It was, uh, I don't know. I have no idea how reason reason works. Yeah. They actually came a long way. I, I used to <laughs> like reason a lot, but that they don't have quote VSTs. They have rack extensions, but a lot of these companies are making stuff for reason <laughs> like you, he and uh, tons of companies anyway. So uh, we were talking about before the show and you're going to be going to Holland to be on a panel for image line, right? Yep. I'm going to be at dance fair in 2016. And you're going to be talking about additive synthesis, right? No, I'm just kidding. 
I'm gonna be talking about additive additive synthesis, and I'm gonna probably be talking about FM synthesis. It's gonna be two different two different uh, workshops. One's gonna be on Saturday, and the other one's gonna be on Sunday, um, the 13th and 14th. And I'm basically gonna go over like why hardware is awesome and why citrus is awesome. Dude, that sounds awesome. That sounds like a blast. It's gonna be great. So if you guys are in the area, go to the Netherlands and go to dance fair. Um, what did we miss anything? Seamless? No, nope, that's pretty much everything. Well, guys, hope you enjoyed it. Uh, that was very educational. I know I enjoyed it. I'm going to definitely download Harmer like right now after the show and just start screwing with it. I had, I had no idea it was so cool. Um, hope you guys enjoyed the show. And Seamless, want to tell people where they can find out more about you, watch all your live streams, and just uh, participate in your environment more? Sure. Uh, my YouTube channel is youtube.com slash SeamlessR, where all this information exists. In fact, I even have a playlist that is all about how to use Harbor from the ground up um, in, in up in my videos. I also do live stream at twitch.tv slash SeamlessR uh, every Monday and Wednesday at 2 p.m. EST, although I'm not going to be doing it next week because I'm going to be in the Netherlands. Nice. Awesome. Well, thank you guys for listening. Hope you enjoyed the show. That's going to be it for the Sound Design Show for today. See you next week. Bye.